So, uh, good morning. Good morning. There we go again on day two. No, fortunately, for dog two. And uh, also a warm welcome to uh, all our viewers home by the television official. Thank you. Warm welcome to all of our series that follow me on TV. Yesterday, <coughs> I read a few Bible texts with you. I går så läste en del bibelavsnitt med dere. Text in which the Bible makes clear that God's covenant with Israel is still valid. Texter som gör det väldigt tydligt att Guds pakt med Israel är er fortsatt gyldig. We saw that the coming of Jesus the Messiah, the savior of the world, is a part of God's covenant with Abraham and the Jewish people. Vi ser att Guds, uh, Guds komme genom Jesus är er en del av Guds frelsesplan uh, genom Israel. And that the new covenant was made with Israel and the Jewish people. Att den nya pakten med ingått med Israel och det judiska folk. Established by Jesus. Etablerat av Jesus. And we as Gentiles may join through faith in Jesus. Och vi som hedningar kan bli med genom troen på Jesus. And that's because many Christians and churches over the centuries thought that Israel was finished when Jesus came. Och det är er för det många kristna genom århundradena trodde att det var över med Israel för Jesus var kommit. And yesterday we saw in various Bible texts in the Old and New Testament that that is a false ideology. Och där igår så vi genom det gamla och det nya testamentet att detta är er en falsk ideologi. Yeah, a false theology. En falsk teologi. God's everlasting covenant with Israel. Guds evige pakt med Israel. And the role of the Jewish people. Och rollen till det judiska folk. In God's salvation plan. I Guds frelsesplan. Continues and continues. Den fortsätter och den fortsätter. Also for the benefit of all of us. Here we are in Norway. Also till gavn för oss alla samman här, var vi är er samlade i Norge. And I finished uh, yesterday with that wonderful Bible quote from Romans 15. Vi har avslutat igår med att vi dunde bibelsitatet i Romarna 15. In Romans 15, verse 8 and 9. In Romarna 15, vers 8 och 9. That Jesus became a servant of the Jews. Att Jesus blev tjänare för judarna. And that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. So all the promises we read in the Old Testament. So all And also many promises deal about the future return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Are not finished by Jesus. De er ikke blitt avsluttet av Jesus, but confirmed as still valid. Men de er bestadfestet og fortsatt gyldig. And also today I want to read a few Bible passages with you. I dag vil jeg lese del bibelavsnitt med deg. In which we can see that the existence of the Christian church, that we can see at the Christian church's existence, and the role of Israel as a chosen people, or Israel's role as a chosen people, are not opposite to each other. Er ikke motsetning til hverandre. Not replaced by one or another. Det er ikke erstattet av hverandre. But still valid and go together hand in hand. Men fortsatt gyldig og går sammen hånd i hånd. And I want to read with you a wonderful passage from Isaiah 11. Because this is a wonderful passage that shows us how the future Christian church and the Jewish people 
Og dette er vidunderlig avsnitt som viser oss at den fremtidige kristne kirke og det jødiske folk are connected with each other. De er koblet med hverandre. And then we read in Isaiah 11, verse 1 and 2. Da leser vi Isaiah 11, vers 1 og 2. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Men en kvist skal skyte frem av Isais stubb, og et skudd fra hans røtter skal bære frukt. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Og Herrens ånd skal hvile over ham. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. Vistons og forstands ånd. The spirit of counsel and might. Råds og styrkes ånd. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Det er en ånd som gir kunnskap om Herren og frykt for ham. That shoot from the stump of Jesse. It is en kvist fra Isai stubb. Jesse, Isai was the father of King David. Og Isai var far til kong David. So it's about the kingdom and the genealogy of the kingdom of Israel. Det er om kongedømme og ettertavlen i Isais kongedømme. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Og et skudd fra hans røtter skal bære frukt. And the spirit of the Lord will be upon him. Og Herrens ånd vil være over ham. We all realize this is about the Messiah. Vi er alle klar over at dette dreier seg om Messias. The future king of Israel. Den fremtidige Isais konge. Because the spirit was on him. Fordi ånden var over ham. When he was baptized by John the Baptist in the river Jordan. Da han ble døpt av Johannes døperen i elven Jordan. So this is a prophecy towards Jesus. Så dette er en profeti for Jesus. And then... Isaiah continues in verse 10. Så fortsetter Isaiah vers 10. In that day, the root of Jesse, skal Isais rotskudd, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, som står som et banner for folkeslag, of him shall the nations inquire, slik skal hedningefolkene søke til ham, and his resting place shall be glorious. Og hans bolig skal være herlighet. Here we can read that we as nations are involved in this Messiah. Her skal vi lese at vi som nasjoner er involvert med denne Messias. Because the nations shall inquire him. Fordi folkeslagene skal søke, skal spørre etter ham. Other translations say they will look for him, they will search for him. Den norske oversettelsen synes at de skal søke etter ham. This is a prophecy regarding the future existence and growth of the Christian church. Dette er en profeti om den fremtidige eksistens og fremvekst av den kristne kirken. The apostles left Israel and spread the gospel all over the world. Apostlene forlot Israel og spredte evangeliet over hele verden. And over the centuries, billions and billions of Christians ask for Jesus and believe in him. Og i en av århundrene har millioner og millioner av kristne søkt etter Jesus og funnet ham. And through that root of Jesse, many Christians are reconciled with the God of Israel. Og gjennom denne Isais rotskudd er mange kristne forsonet med Isais rotskudd. But then Isaiah continues. Men så fortsetter Jesaja. And then he says, he will raise a signal for the nations. Så sier han at han skal løfte et banner for folkene. And he will assemble the banished of Israel. Han skal samle de fordrevne av Israel. And gather the dispersed of Judah. Sanke de sprette av Judah. From the four corners of the earth. Fra jordens fire hjørner. So what do we see? Så hva er det vi ser? We see a prophecy about a future root, a future branch 
of the root of Jesse. Vi ser en profeti om en framtidig rot av Isaks rotskudd. The birth of Jesus the Messiah. Födseln av Jesus Messias. Then secondly, och så för det andra, Isaiah speaks about the nations that will inquire to the of this Messiah. Så skriver Isaiah om nationer som vill spörre efter so the ingathering of billions of Christians worldwide. So insamlingen av miljoner av kristna världen över. And then Isaiah continues. So fortsätter Isaiah. And doesn't say that Israel is played out. Det står inte nu här om att Israel är utspitt. That future um, shoot from Jesse is not going to finish Israel. The the. Det, det står inte här att en framtida rot av eh, Isai ska nå avslutas. As we often thought over the centuries. Som vi ofta tänkte genom århundradena. No, he will assemble the banished of Israel. Nej, han ska samla de fördrivna av Israel. And he will gather the dispersed of Judah. Och han vill samla de fördrivna av, av Judah. And from the four corners of the earth. Och från jordens fyra hjörter. Eh, eh, God will bring back the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Så vi Gud bringer tillbaka judefolket till Israels land. Isn't that a wonderful passage? Är det vi dundlasit? A prophecy about the birth of Jesus. En profeti om Jesu födelse. A prophecy about the growth of the Christian church. En profeti om framväxten av den kristna kyrkan. And thirdly, a prophecy about the return of the Jewish people. Och för det tredje en profeti om hemkomsten av det judiska folk to the land of Israel. Till Israels land. In Ephesians 2, Paul says, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, by those who call themselves the circumcision, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. Huskat på den tiden var det avskilt från Kristus. Excluded from citizenship in Israel. Utstött från borgerskap i Israel. And foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Och utlänningar för löftets pakter. Without hope and without God in the world. Utan hopp och utan Gud i världen. But now in Christ Jesus you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Men nu i Kristus Jesus har dere som en gång var långt borte blivit brakt nära in till genom Kristi blod. Over the centuries in the medieval times. Over genom århundradena i medeltiden. We as Christian churches often thought the Jews killed Jesus so they are condemned to hell. Så tänkte vi som kristna att judarna döpte Jesus och de är dömt till helvete. A Jew can only be saved when he comes to the Christian church. En jude kan bara bli frälst när han kommer till en kristen kyrka. When he converts to Jesus Christ. När han omvänder sig till Jesus Kristus. When he finishes all his Jewish practices in life. När han kutter ut all sin judisk praxis i livet. So stop the Shabbat. Stoppe sabbat. Stop kosher food. Stoppe kosher mat. Stop circumcision. Stoppe med om om skärelsen. Och alla andra. And then a Jew can be saved. Och så kan juden bli frälst. But Paul says. Men Paulus säger. No. Nej. We as Gentiles we lived without God without salvation. Vi som hedningar levde utan Gud och utan Jesus We were excluded from citizenship in Israel. Vi var utelukket från borgerskap i Israel. 
and we were foreigners to the covenant. Og vi var utlendinger overfor pakten. So, but in Jesus Christ, and in Jesus Christus, we have been brought nearby. Så er vi blitt brakt nært inntil. Nearby what? Nært inntil hva? Nearby the citizenship in Israel. Nært til å bli en borger av Israel. Nearby the new covenant made with Israel. Nært inntil den nye pakt som er inngått med Israel. So the movement is not, they have to come to us. Så bevegelsen er ikke at de må komme til oss. But the movement is, we need to be more connected with the Jewish people. Men bevegelsen er at vi må være nærere forbundet med staten Israel. We don't need to become Jews. Vi trenger ikke å bli jødiske. I know some Christians with love for Israel start living like Jews. Jeg vet at kristne ønsker å leve akkurat som jøder. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. Men det er ikke det Bibelen lærer oss. We are Christians from the Gentiles. Vi som kristne som kommer fra hedningskap. Jews are Jews belong to the Jewish people. Og jøder er jøder som tilhører jødiske folk. But through Jesus we are deeply connected. Men gjennom Jesus er vi dypt forbundet. And then, I want to speak with you for a moment about the sensitive issue of Jesus and the Jewish people. Så vil jeg snakke med dere litt om det følsomme tema om Jesus og de jødiske folk. And Paul takes a whole, writes a whole letter to the Romans trying to explain this issue of mystery. Så Paulus skriver et helt brev til romerne for å prøve å løse og forklare dette mysteriet. And we have to acknowledge that in fact we cannot fully understand this mystery. Og vi må erkjenne at faktisk så kan ikke vi til fulle forstå denne hemmeligheten, dette mysterium. The fact that many Jews cannot believe that Jesus is the Messiah Det faktum at mange jøder kan ikke tro at Jesus er Messias is something that Paul calls a mystery. Dette faktum at mange jøder kan ikke akseptere Jesus som Messias, er det Paulus kaller for en hemmelighet eller et mysterium. And the mystery is always something that we cannot fully comprehend. Og et mysterium er noe som vi ofte ikke kan til fulle forstå. Cornelius, the Norwegian Bibles do not say mystery, it says secrets. Secrets, ok, secret. All right. So, um... That means that Paul tries to explain it. Det betyr at Paulus forsøker å forklare det. But there is always something we cannot fully understand. Men det er alltid noe vi ikke til fulle kan forstå. And I always compare it with Maria. Så jeg sammenligner alltid med Maria. The angel says that Maria will get a son. Engelen sier at Maria vil få en sønn. And then Maria asked the question, how can it be because I don't have sex with a man? Og så spør Maria med engstelse, hvordan kan det skje, for jeg har ikke hatt sex med en mann. And then the angel says, the power of the Lord will come over you as a shadow. Og så sier Engelen at Herrens kraft vil komme over deg, og du vil få et barn. But that's the only explanation. Men det er den eneste forklaringen. We all believe that Jesus is born from the Virgin Maria. Vi tror alle at Jesus ble født av Jomfru Maria. We all believe that God is the Father of Jesus. Vi tror alle at Gud er Jesu far. And he is the Son of God. Og han er Guds sønn. And that he is also the son of his Jewish mother Maria. At han også er sønn av sin jødiske mamma Maria. But how did Maria get pregnant? Men hvordan var det Maria ble gravid? If you ask a gynecologist, how could Maria get pregnant? 
Och visst var spår hur då kunde hon bli gravid? He cannot explain. Så kan de ingen förklara det. And I cannot explain. Och jag kan inte förklara det. It's a secret. Det är er en hemlighet. But we believe that it is the truth. Men vi tror att det är er sant. And it is God's matter, God's issue how Maria got pregnant. Och det är er Guds sak detta att och veta hur Maria blev gravid. And it is not up to us to 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 investigate and to understand. Det är er vår sak att granska och finna ut av det. It's a secret. Det är er en hemlighet. And the issue of not possible to believe in Jesus for the Jewish people is, is an issue between God and the Jews. Och det är en om att det inte är möjligt för en jude att börja tro på Jesus som Guds son. Det är en sak mellan Gud och var jude. And it is a secret. Och det är en hemlighet. Because God gave the Jewish people eyes not to see. Ja, for, and ears not to hear. For Gud gav jødefolket øyne som ikke kunne se og ører som ikke kunne høre. <laughs> for the benefit, for the benefit of us. For til gavn for oss. So that the gospel of Jesus could go out to the Gentiles. Så Jesu evangelium kunne gå ut til hedningene. So the veil over the eyes of the Jewish people. Så dekk over øynene til det jødiske folk. Is something that God gave them. Så er noe som Gud gav dem. It's not some it's not an issue of stubbornness and unbelief. It's something that God gave them. As an instrument in his, as a tool in his salvation plan. And that's something that we need to understand. So this is holy ground. Så detta är er hellig grund. That we do step back. Att vi kan tre tillbaka. Put out our shoes. Ta veck, ta av våra skor. And think about this issue. Och tänk över detta detta saken. Paul tries to explain. Paulus prövar förklara. In Romans 11 verse 11. I Romarna 11 vers 11. And then Paul says, "So I ask." So see, Paris. So spurrier. Did they stumble in order that they might fall? Snubbled they for that they should fall? By no means. Slettes ikke. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Snarere er det gennem deres misjerninger at frelse er kommet til hedningene. So as to make Israel jealous. For å gjøre Israel misundelig. Now if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? So God says, so God said, the Jewish people didn't fall. They are not finished. Not played out. But through that trespass, salvation has come to us. So Paul wants to say, if all the Jews in Jesus' time would have recognized him as the Son of God, then the question might arise, would Jesus have sent his apostles to the world? Så ville då Jesus ha kunnat sända sina apostlar till världen? 
So the blindness of the eyes of the Jewish people. Så blindheten i øynene til det jødiske folk. Need to happen. Det trengte å skje. So that the gospel could go out into the world. For at evangeliet kunne gå ut til deres verden. And Paul calls this riches for the world. Og Paulus kaller dette rikdommer for verden. He says that trespass means riches for the world. Han sier at deres misgjerninger betyr rikdommer for verden. We always blame the Jews. Vi anklager alltid jødene. You killed Jesus. Dere drepte Jesus. You rejected Jesus. Dere avviste Jesus. You are condemned to hell. Dere er dømt til helvete. Paul says... No, Paulus sier nei. Their trespass means riches for the world. Deres misgjerninger betyr rikdommer for verden. And now it is our task as Gentiles to make Israel jealous. Nå er det vår oppgave som hedninger å gjøre Israel misunnelig. That does not mean constantly, aggressively evangelizing Jews. Det betyr ikke at vi stadig og aggressivt skal evangelisere jøder. But make them jealous. Men gjøre dem misunnelige. Because of our faith. På grunn av vår tro. Amen. I saw that Jan Aga had a conversation with the Israeli ambassador. Jeg så Jan Aga samtale med den israelske ambassadør. And he conveyed his condolences and expressed his solidarity and love for the Jewish people. Han formidlet sin medfølelse og kjærlighet til de jødiske folk. And the ambassador was visibly impressed. Og ambassadøren var synlig imponert. That is making the Jewish people jealous. Det er å gjøre det jødefolket misunnelig. Showing our solidarity. Å vise vår solidaritet. Expressing our love. Å uttrykke vår kjærlighet. Also in difficult and challenging times for the Jewish people. Også under jødefolkets vanskelige og utfordrende tid. And they know that we are solidar, show solidarity and love because of our faith. Og de vet at vi viser solidaritet og kjærlighet på grunn av vår tro. De vet det. And then Paul says, if that trespass means riches for the world, så sier Paulus, hvis deres misgjerninger bringer rikdommer til verden, and their failure riches for the Gentiles, og deres svikt bringer rikdommer til hedningene, så Paul repeats himself, så gjentar Paulus seg selv, and repetition in the Bible always means it's really true, og gjentagelser i Bibelen betyr alltid at dette er virkelig sant. How much more riches and glory and joy will there be when all Israel in the future will be saved in Messiah? Hvor mye riktommer og herlighet vil ikke være i fremtiden når hele Israel blir frelst? This is a secret. Dette er en hemmelighet. We cannot fully understand. Vi kan ikke til fulle forstå. But that's not up to us. Det er ikke opp til oss. I always compare it with Joseph in Egypt. Jeg samlinger alltid med Josef i Egypt. Joseph was a king under the Pharaoh. Og Josef var konge under Pharaoh. And his brothers came to buy bread. Og hans brødre kom for å kjøpe brød. And they met Joseph for the third time. Pardon? They met Joseph for the third time. Og de møtte Josef for tredje gang. And they didn't recognize that he was Joseph. Og de gjenkjente han ikke som Josef. They thought Joseph was already dead for many years. De trodde at Josef allerede hadde vært død i mange år. And then Joseph sent away all the Egyptian gods. 
Og så sendte Josef vekk alle de egyptiske guder. Because what's going to happen now is a private issue between Jews and Jews alone. Og fordi det som skulle skje nå var en privat affære mellom jøder og kun mellom jøder. And Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. Og Josef åpenbarte seg selv for sine brødre. I am Joseph. Jeg er Josef. And his brothers were frightened because now he's going to take revenge and he will kill us. <laughs> Og brødrene var vettskjemte fordi de tenkte nå kommer han til å hevne seg mot oss. But Joseph didn't kill them. Men Josef drepte dem ikke. He reconciled himself with them. Han forsonte seg med dem. Joseph is a type of Jesus. Jesus, Josef er et eksempel, en type av Jesus. In the future Jesus will reveal himself to the Jewish people. I fremtiden vil Jesus åpenbare seg for jødefolk. His brothers and his sisters. Hans brødre og hans søstre. He will take the veil away. Han vil ta vekk sløret. And it's not our issue. It's not, it's not our matter. Det er vår sak. We will not be there. Vi kommer ikke til å være der. Like Joseph sent out the Egyptian gods. Akkurat som Josef sendte vekk de egyptiske guder. The revelation of Jesus to the Jewish people so, is a matter between them. Så so er åpenbaringen av Jesus for jødene en sak for dem. We don't have anything to do with that. Vi har int, intet å gjøre med det. And then all Israel will be saved. Og hele Israel vil bli frelst. Let's read it. Det er, la oss lese det. Romans 11, vers 25. Romerne 11, 25. Lest you be wise in your own sight. For at dere ikke skal være vise i egne øyne. I don't want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. Så vil jeg ikke at dere er ukjent med dette, denne hemmelighet, brødre. A partial hardening has come upon Israel. En delvis forherdelse er kommet over Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Until fylden av hedningene har kommet inn. And in this way all Israel will be saved. Og på denne måten vil hele Israel bli frelst. As it is written. Som det er skrevet. The deliverer will come from Zion. Redningsmannen vil komme fra Sion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. Han vil vannlyse ugudlighet fra Jakob. And this will be my covenant with them. Og dette vil bli min pakt med dem. When I take away all their sins. Når jeg tar vekk alle deres synder. So, there is a mystery, a secret. Det er en hemmelighet, det er et mysterium. A hardening over Israel. En forherdelse over Israel. Partial. En delvis. That means they are not totally blind. Det betyr at de ikke er totalt blinde. But they only cannot recognize Jesus. Men de kan bare ikke gjenkjenne Jesus. But they believe in God. Men de tror på Gud. And they honor God. Og de ærer Gud. And they believe in the holiness of the Bible. Og de tror på Bibelens hellighet. And they pray for the coming of the Messiah. Og de ber om at Messias skal komme. And they believe in the future kingdom of God. Og de tror på det fremtidige Guds rike. But the only aspect of the trinity of God, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, men det eneste aspekt av treenigheten av Faderen, Sønnen og den Hellige Ånd, only the issue of Jesus is not yet revealed for them. Så er bare spørsmålet om Jesus enda ikke åpenbart for dem. But it is... Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Men det er inntil fylden av hedningene er kommet inn. So it has all to do with the growth and the development of the church. Så alt har å gjøre med vekst og utvikling av kirken. The time of mission and evangelization. Tiden for misjonsevangelisering. Until the moment the Lord says, now it's enough. 
Intill det ögonblick då Herren säger nu är er det nog. And then the deliverer will come from Zion. Så kommer ut frieren från Sion. And he will take away all our sins. Han vill ta bort alla våra synder. And he will continue the eternal covenant with Abraham. Han vill fortsätta den eviga pakt med Abraham. And join them all in the new covenant. Och koppla dem alla samman i den nya pakt. Hallelujah. So this is such an important thing for us to realize. Så detta är er nog så alldeles viktigt för oss att förstå. Stop blaming Jews not believing in Jesus. Slut och anklaga judar som inte tror på Jesus. But show them your love and your solidarity. Men vis dem deras kärlek och solidaritet. And realize God's eternal promises of faithfulness to the Jewish people. Och var klar över Guds eviga löften om trofasthet till det judiska folk. Some people sometimes say to me, någon folk säger någon gång till mig, yeah, but 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 but. Ja, men 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 men. The Bible says, who has the son has eternal life, who does not have the son has not eternal life. Bibeln säger att den som har sonen har evigt liv, den som inte har sonen har inte evigt liv. But is it up to us to judge that the Jews do not have the son? Men är er det upp till oss att döma om att judarna inte har sonen? Did the Bible not teach us that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one? Har inte den Bibeln lärt oss att Fadern, Sonen och Helgon är er ett? And you cannot exclude the Father from the Son. Och du kan inte exkludera Fadern från Sonen. You cannot exclude Jesus from God the Father. Du kan inte exkludera Jesus från Gud Fadern. You cannot exclude the Holy Spirit from Jesus and the Father. Du kan inte exkludera den Helgon från Jesus och Fadern. The three belong to each other. De tre tillhör varandra. Perhaps the Jews who have the Father, kanske judarna får fadern, already have, already have the Son without knowing it. Och allerede har sonen utan vite det. Perhaps they already have the Holy Spirit, kanske de allerede har den helgon without knowing it. Utan vite det. It's a secret. Det är er en hemlighet. I will not explain it fully. Jag kan inte förklara det till fullt. I just step back. Jag bara sträcker tillbaka. This is holy ground. Det är er hellig grund. Keep it. Bevar det. And trust God that he will make everything good with his people. Stor på Gud gör allt gott för sitt folk. And then in the New Testament um, the angel Maria the angel Gabriel came to Maria. Så so, den nya testamentet kom engeln Gabriel till Maria and told her everything what's going to happen over all the hena also skulle ske and then mary is traveling to her niece elizabeth so reiser maria till och möter sin niece elisabeth and maria was already pregnant och maria var allerede gravid and the child jesus was growing in her body och bebben jesus växte allerede upp i hennes kropp and then when she met elizabeth och då mötte elisabeth the holy spirit came over her så kom en helgon över henne and she starts prophesying. The famous song of Mary. Maria song. Magnificat. The Magnificat. The Magnificat. Many beautiful musics uh, are composed um, of this song. And you know what Mary is going to do? Going to say in, in her song. Vet du vad Maria säger i sången? She expressed her happiness. Hun uttrycker sin uh, lycka. 
And then she starts speaking about Israel. So she's going to connect her baby with the Jewish people. So kommer til å koble sin baby med de jødiske folk. Because she says, he has helped his servant Israel. Hun sier at han har hjulpet sin tjener Israel. In remembrance of his mercy. Ved å minnes, minnes hans barmhjertighet. As he spoke to our fathers. Som han talte til våre fedre. To Abraham and to his offspring forever. Til Abraham og hans ett i all evighet. So Mary says that the coming of her son Jesus so Maria sier at hennes sønns komme Jesus is an act of help of God towards er, the Jewish people of Israel. Er en 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 hjelpehandling fra Gud mot Israel og det jødiske folk. The coming of Jesus is a remembrance of God's mercy to Israel. Pakten med Israel er å minnes Guds nåde og barmhjertighet til Israel. And the coming of Jesus is a part of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Og det er en del av den pakt som Abra- Gud gjorde med Abraham. So what I told you yesterday when we read um, Genesis 12. Så hva jeg sa i går da vi leste 1. Mosebok 12. In you all generations of the earth will be blessed. Genom dere vil alle generasjoner i verden bli velsignet. And that the coming of Jesus is a part of God's covenant with Israel. Og når pakt med Jesus er en del av Guds pakt med Abraham. That is now confirmed by Maria. Det blir nå bekreftet av Maria. And that's impressive. Og det er imponerende. And then also Elizabeth got pregnant. Så var også Elisabeth blitt gravid. Elisabeth was an old woman, she could not get a baby anymore. Elisabeth var en gammel dame som ikke lenger kunne få baby. But God promised Elisabeth and her man Zacharias the priest that they would get a son. Men Gud lovet Elisabeths ektemann Zakaria presten at de ville bli gravid og få en sønn. Not in the same way as Jesus. Ikke på samme måte som Jesus. Because John the Baptist is a real son of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Fordi eh, Johannes Døperen er virkelig eh, kommet til Zakaria og Elisabeth. And then, when John the Baptist was born, så da Johannes Døperen ble født, and on the eighth day he was circumcised, og den åttende dag ble han omskåret, and Zacharias could speak again. Og Zakaria kunne igjen tale. And he got filled with the holy spirit. Han ble fylt av den hellige ånd. And he started prophesying like Mary did. Han begynte å profetere som Maria hadde gjort. And also Zechariah starts speaking about Israel. Og plutselig begynner Zechariah å tale om Israel. Luke 1 verse 69. Lukas 1 vers 69. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Han har reist opp et frelsens horn for oss. In the house of his servant David, David's house, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies, and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors, and to remember his holy covenant. Og for å minnes hans hellige pakt. The oath he swore to our father Abraham. Det den ed som han sverget til vår far Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies. For å redde oss fra våre fienders hånd. 
Isn't that interesting? You are old. You get a son. Du blir gammel, du får en sønn. Your whole life, you and your wife, you together were hoping to get a baby. Hele deres liv, du og din hustru levde sammen og håpet å få en baby. Unfortunately, it never happened. Uheldigvis så skjedde det aldri. And they got old without children. Uten barn. And then by a miracle of God, så ved en mirakel fra Gud, you get a child. Så får du et barn. And a child with an important role in God's plan. Og et barn som fikk en viktig rolle i Guds plan. So then if you might write a poem. Så hvis du skal kunne skrive en etikt. When you get a baby. Når du får en baby. Where will that poem go about? Hva vil dette diktet omhandle? You will, I may think that the first thing that you were going to write about is about the happiness to get a child. Jeg vil tro at det første du vil skrive om er lykken over å få et barn. But what is Zacharias telling? Men hva er det Zacharia forteller? God will, he will rescue the Jewish people Israel from all their enemies and all who hate them. Han vil redde Israel fra alle deres fiender og alle som hater dem. Isn't that wonderful? Er ikke det vidunderlig? Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Inspirert av det hele ånd. But... Unfortunately, men uheldigvis, it did not happen in Zacharias' days. Så skedde det ikke i Zacharias' levetid. Because 40 years later, fordi 40 år senere, the Romans came. Så kom romerne. We saw it yesterday in the PowerPoint presentation of Andrew. Vi så det i går i Andrews PowerPoint presentation. The pictures of the destruction of the temple and the city of Jerusalem. Bildene av ødeleggelsen av Jerusalems tempel. Hundreds of thousands of Jews were slaughtered. Hundre tusen jøder ble slaktet. And the Jewish people went out of Israel in exile. Og jødefolk gikk fra Israel ut i eksil. And centuries and centuries of pogroms and anti-Semitism came. Og århundrer og århundrer av pogromer og anti-Semitisme kom. I'm happy that Zacharias could not know what will happen after him. Jeg er glad for at Zacharias ikke kunne få vite hva som ville skje etter ham. Israel was not liberated from their enemies. Israel ble ikke frigjort fra sine fiender. On the contrary. Tvert imot. Israel would be confronted with more enemies and more hatred than ever. Israel ble konfrontert med flere fiender og mer fiender enn noensinne. Mainly in Western Europe. Kanskje i Vest-Europa. We saw yesterday in the slides of Andrew how many countries in Europe kicked out the Jews. Så vi går i Andrews lysbildet, hvor mange land som kastet ut jødene. But, by the Holy Spirit inspired, Zacharias wrote this prophecy in the New Testament. Men inspirert av det hele ånd, så skrev Zacharias denne profetien i det Nye Testamentet. And Luke wrote it in his gospel. Og Lukas skrev det ned i sitt evangelium. So this still has to come. Så dette må fortsatt skje. This is a promise. Dette er et løfte. Now Israel is going back to the promised land. Nå går Israel tilbake til løfteslandet. Already 50% of the Jewish people are living in Israel. Allerede er det 50% av jødefolket som lever i Israel. And God will once rescue them from all their enemies and all who hate them. Og Gud vil en gang redde dem fra alle deres fiender og alle som hater dem. Once in the future, God will save them from Hamas and Hezbollah. En gang i fremtiden vil Gud frelse dem fra Hamas og Hezbollah.
It will happen. Det kommer til å skje. Because we believe in the Bible. Fordi vi tror på Bibelen. If we don't believe in the Bible, hvis vi ikke tror på Bibelen, we finish this conference and go out for a cup of coffee. Så kan vi bare avslutte denne konferansen og gå ut og ta en kaffekopp. But we believe in the holiness of the Bible. Men vi tror på Bibelens hellighet. This will happen once. Disse kommer til å skje. And the Israeli army doesn't need to do this. Oh, the Israeli ja, det army. Herren trenger ikke gjøre dette. It's God himself. Det er Gud selv. He will take care. Han vil ta seg av det. He will fulfill all han, his promises to Israel. Han vil oppfylle alle sine løfter til Israel. I spoke with you about the return of the Jewish people. Jeg talte med dere om Israel-folkets gjenkomst. They were dispersed out of Israel in 70 after Christ. De ble avspredt ut fra Israel i 70 etter Kristus. But since half 19th century, men siden halvveis i det 19. århundre, Jews are returning to the Holy Land. Så er jøder vendt tilbake til det hellige land. And there are more than 200 prophecies in the Old Testament. Og det er mer enn 200 profetier i det gamle testamentet. That speak about the future return of the Jewish people. Som taler om den fremtidige tilbakevending av det jødiske folk. Let's read Ezekiel 37. La oss lese Ezekiel 37. Vers 21. Vers 21. Thus says the Lord God. Så sier Herren Gud. Or perhaps you can better read it totally in... Uh, no, I'll just read and okay, uh, yeah. transcribe it. Okay. Behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nations among which they have gone. Så sier Herren Gud. Se, jeg vil ta folket Israel fra nasjonene de er kommet fra. And will gather them from all around. Og jeg vil samle dem fra overalt. And bring them to their own land. Og bringe dem til deres eget land. And I will make them one nation in the land. Og jeg vil gjøre dem til en nasjon i landet. On the mountains of Israel. På Isais fjell. And one king shall be king over them all. Og en konge skal være konge over dem alle. And they shall be no longer two nations. Og de skal ikke lenger være to nasjoner. And no longer divided into two kingdoms. Og ikke lenger delt opp i to riker. This Bible text has often been related to the return of the Jews from the Babylonian exile. Disse bibelversene har, all, har vært relatert til tilbakevendingen av jødene til løfteslandet. And that's okay. Og det er greit. But many prophecies has more layers. Men mange profetier har flere lag. When you read this Bible text very carefully, Men hvis du leser denne bibelteksten veldig nøye, then you can see details that were not fulfilled in the Babylonian time. Så vil du se detaljer som ikke ble oppfylt i det babylonske eksilet. Because the Lord says that he will gather his people from all around the world. Fordi Herren sier at han vil samle sitt folk fra hele verden. Babylonia is only one country. Babylonia er bare ett land. And he will make them one, the two tribes and the ten tribes. He will make them one in han, the land. Han vil gjøre dem til ett, de to stammer, han vil gjøre til ett i landet. That did not happen after the Babylonian exile. Det skjedde ikke etter det babylonske eksilet. Only a few of the two tribes came back. Bare noen få av de to stammene kom tilbake. But most of all, this passage says on the mountains of Israel. Men aller viktigst er dette avsnittet sier på Isais fjell. If Ezekiel says that the Lord will bring back the Jewish people to the promised land of Israel. Ezekiel sier at Herren vil bringe tilbake de jødiske folket til sitt løftesland Israel. Then why has Ezekiel to add the word 
Mountains of Israel. Hvorfor må da Ezekiel legge til dette ordet fjellene? That has a special meaning. Det har en spesiell betydning. And this is the humor of God. Og dette er Guds humor. Where are in Israel the mountains? Hvor i Israel er fjellene? You can see them on the map. Du kan se det der på kartet. Three parts of Israel. Look, the western part and southern part of Israel is mostly flat. Den vestlige del og sørlige del av Israel er for det meste flat. Where are the mountains? Hvor er fjellene? In the north, Golan. I nord, i Golan. In Samaria. I, pardon? In Samaria. I Sa- Sa- Samaria. And in Judea. Og i Judea. That are exactly the territories in Israel that now people call illegal occupied territories. Det er precis disse områder som folk nå kaller Israels okkuperte, forbudte områder. When the Jews came back from the Babylonian exile, da jødene kom tilbake fra den babylonske eksil, they could not live on the mountains. Så kunne de ikke leve på fjellene. Because Samaria was inhabited by the Samaritans. Fordi Samaria ble bebodd av samaritanere. And Samaritans and Jews, they could not, could not deal very well with each other. Og samaritanere og jøde, de uh, forholdt seg ikke godt til hverandre. So Jews, in the days of Nehemia and Ezra, Så jødene i Nehemias og Ezra's dager, avoided the mountains. De unngikk fjellene. But now, Men nå, after 1967, Jews can live on the mountains of Israel. Så kan jødene leve på Israels fjell. And they, can, and they can make their vineyards. <laughs> Og de kan lage vingårder. <laughs> This is humor of God. Dette er Guds kraft. Dette er Guds humor. The Lord realized in 600 before Christ. Han visste 600 år før Kristus. That in 2023 after Christ. At i år 2023 etter Kristus. Nations will judge Israel because of the so-called illegal occupation. Så vil nasjoner dømme Israel på grunn av de såkalte ulovlige bosettinger. And he sat in heaven and laughed. Og i himmelen så ler man. And let Ezekiel add they will live on the mountains of Israel. Oh, so may say can see it, they will live on Israel's fjell. And then Ezekiel continues. So fortsätter Ezekiel. He says, "My servant David shall be king over them." Han säger, "Min tjänare Israel ska vara kung över dem." And they shall have one shepherd. Och de ska ha en hyrde. They will walk, they shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. De skal vandre i mine lover og være nøye med å, å, å lyde mine forordninger. And they shall dwell in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob, where your fathers lived. Der hvor deres fedre levde. And they and their children and their children's children shall dwell there forever. Og de og deres barn og deres barnebarns barn skal bo der i all evighet. And David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. Og David, min tjene, skal være deres fyrste for evighet. My servant David will be king over them. Min tjene, David, skal være kong over dem. That never happened after the Babylonian exile. Because in the days of Ezekiel, David already died 400 years earlier. And, and now, in our modern Israel today, Israel has a president, and a prime minister, but not a king. And not King David. Who will be 
the king of Israel when they are fully returned to Israel. Vem vill bli kung av Israel när de till fulla vänt tillbaka till Israel? The son of David. David's son. Jesus. Jesus. He is the king of Israel. Han är Israels konge. When he will come back, he will be the king of Israel. När han kommer tillbaka vill han vara kung av Israel. And then Ezekiel says they shall all have one shepherd. Och så säger Ezekiel de ska alla ha en hyrde. That reminds us det minner oss på to a passage in the New Testament. Till en ett avsnitt i Nya testamentet. Because centuries later, för det århundrar senare. Jesus told his disciples. Så sa Jesus till sina disciplar. In John 10, i Joel 10. And I have Yeah, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Jag har andra får som inte är av denna fold. I must bring them also. Jag ska också bringa dem. And they will listen to my voice. Och de ska lyssna till min röst. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Så det vill bli en flock, en hyrde. Jesus refers to Ezekiel 37. Jesus hänvisar till Ezekiel 37. Jesus, I am the good shepherd. Jesus säger, jag är den gode hyrde. So Jesus says, when the kingdom will come, Jesus säger att när kungedömet kommer, I will be the one shepherd. Så vi jag vara den ene hyrde. Of Ezekiel 37. I Ezekiel 37. Now this is an interesting Bible passage. Det är ett intressant bibelvers. Because Jews and Christians often explain this in a different way. För de judar och kristna förklarar detta ofta på olikt vis. The disciples who listened to Jesus, disciples som lyssnade till Jesus, they would have realized, they will have realized, de ville ha varit klar över that the other sheep that are not of this flock, att de andra fåren som inte är av denna flock, are the Jews in exile. Det är judarna som är i exil. Who do not yet live in Israel. Som ännu inte lever i Israel. And Jesus will gather them together. Och Jesus vill samla dem samman. So that all the Jews will live in Israel. Så alla judar vill leva i Israel. And then there will be one flock, one shepherd. Så vill det vara en flock och en hyrde. We as Christians, som kristna, we explain it in a different way. Vi förklarar det på en annan måte. We say no, the sheep that are not of this flock, that are we as Christians. Pardon? The sheep that are not of this flock, that's we Christians. Förarna som inte är av denna flock, det är oss, det är kristna. You have the Jewish people. Det har de judiska folk. You have the Christians. Du har de kristna. They are not of this fold. De är inte av denna fold. But Jesus will also bring them. Men Jesus vill också bringa dem. And they will also listen to his voice. Och de vill också lyssna till hans röst. And there will be one flock. Och det vill bli en flock. A one shepherd. Och en hyrde. Now who is right and who is wrong? Vem har fel och vem har rätt? I hear you laughing. Jag hör dig laughing. And, and I think people now at home, they are sitting at the end of the chair watching the television. <laughs> Och jag tror att du som följer med i ditt hem, du sitter och håller på det ut av stolen och väntar på att höra mig. You may disagree with me. Kanske du är uenig med mig. But I believe. Men jag tror that both explanations are right. Jag tror att båda förklaringarna är riktiga. I believe that this prophecy of Jesus has two layers. Jag tror att denna profetia om Jesus har två lag. First of all. He will bring back the Jewish people. Har vi bringat tillbaka de judiska folk? I hope to explain more about this. Jag hoppas förklara mer om detta. This evening tonight. I kväll. 
Jesus vil bringe tilbake det jødiske folk som ennå ikke lever i Israel. And when his kingdom will come, og når hans kongedømme kommer, he will also ingather us. Så vil han også samle oss. Christians Kristne. who believe in Jesus Christ our Lord. Som tror på Jesus Kristus vår Herre. We may join the Jewish people. Pardon? In, we may join the Jewish people. Vi vil kunne koble oss med det jødiske folk. In the kingdom of God. I Guds rike. And there will be one shepherd. Og vi, vi får en hyrde. One king. Og en konge. And that's Jesus. Og det er Jesus. Our Lord. So, I'm looking to the, 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 you see, looking to the time, and um, I will go further. And um, look, it's also confirmed by by the angel of Gabriel in Luke one. When the angel says, "Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son." For i England sier, se dere vil få en sønn. And you shall call his name Jesus. Og kalle han Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Han vil bli stor og han vil kalles den høyeste sønn. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Og Herren Gud vil gi ham Davids trone. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Og han vil råde over Jakobs hus i all evighet. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Og hans rike vil ikke ta noen ende. So this is clear. Så dette er sant. So Jesus in John 10 confirms Ezekiel 37. Så Jesus i Johannes 10 bekrefter Ezekiel 37. And the angel Gabriel to Maria. Og englen Gabriel til Maria. Says Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. Will be your son. Vil være deres son. So Old and New Testament connect. Så det gamle og nye testamentet kobles. It's one story of God. Det er en, det er Guds ene historie. With Israel and the Christian church. Om Israel og den kristne kirken. The last text, the last, there is a lot of um, wonderful text, but this is also one of the wonderful passages in the Old Testament. Dette er også en av de vidundelige avsikt i det gamle testamentet. That connect the Christian church. Som kobler den kristne kirken. With Israel and and the Jewish people. This is about the future. And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in your midst and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And the Lord will inherit Judah as his portion. Og Herren vil arve Judah som sin del. In the holy land. I det hellige land. And will again choose Jerusalem. Og vil igjen velge Jerusalem. So the Lord speaks about many nations who will join themselves to the Lord. Så Herren taler om å gjøre nasjoner som vil koble seg til Herren. That's the Christian church that will grow and develop over the centuries worldwide. Det er den kristne kirke som vil gro og utvikle seg gjennom århundrene over hele verden. And we may call ourselves God's people. Og vi kan kalle oss Guds folk. We are God's people also. Vi er også Guds folk. But then, when the kingdom will come, Men når Guds rike kommer, And we will all join in, 
Og vi alle sammen vil kobles med. The Lord will still inherit Judah. Så vil Herren fortsatt arve Judah. The Holy Land. Det hellige land. And he will again choose Jerusalem. Og han vil igen velge Jerusalem. So, the Christian Church. Så den kristne kirke. And the Jewish people of Israel. Og Israels jødiske folk. Living in the promised land. Lever i løfteslandet. We both will be involved in the wonderful kingdom of God. Vi vil begge bli involvert i Guds vidunderlige rike. So Israel is playing a huge role in God's salvation plan. So there's got a stor role for Israel Guds frelsesplan. When we exclude Israel. Når vi utelukker Israel. When Israel has no value anymore. Når Israel ikke har noen verdi lenger. Then we have not understood the full gospel. Da har vi ikke forstått det fulle evangeliet. Then we only know the half of Jesus. Da kjenner vi bare halvdelen av Jesus. Jesus is my light, Jesus is my savior. Jesus er mitt liv, Jesus er min frelse. That's indeed Jesus. Det er det vi trenger Jesus til. That's the half of Jesus. Det er bare halve Jesus. The other half, den andre halvdelen, is that he will be the king of Israel. Det er at han vil være Israels konge. In the kingdom of God. I Guds rike. So this all means in these very, very challenging times. Så i disse veldig, veldig utfordrende tider. That we express our love and solidarity with the Jewish people. Hvor vi uttrykker vår kjærlighet og solidaritet med det jødiske folk. That we stand with Israel. At vi står med Israel. That's fighting a dark, evil power. Som vi, der vi bekjemper en mørk og ond makt. We are deeply connected with Israel. Vi er dypt koblet med Israel. And with our Jewish Messiah, Jesus. Og med vår jødiske Messias, Jesus. May God bless Israel. Må Gud velsigne Israel. And may God bless the churches and the Christians in Norway. Og må Gud velsigne kirkene og de kristne i Norge. Thank you. Takk. A big, big thank you again, Cordelius. Look forward to next time, next afternoon session with you. Thank you. Well, good to see everybody again. Godt å se dere alle sammen her igjen. And greetings to all our viewers. Og vi hilser til alle våre seere. And we're going to continue in this session to talk about the battle for Jerusalem and for Judea and Samaria. Og vi skal snakke i denne sesjonen om kampen for Judea, Jerusalem og Samaria. So we've heard and we've seen that God is restoring and bringing his people back to the land. So we have heard and we see that God gjenoppretter and brings his folk back to the land. And this is important for the Christian church. And this is important for the Christian church. But there's a battle with the nations. But there's also a war between the nations. The nations do not understand what God is doing. The nations don't understand what God is doing. And I think what is happening we're seeing in the world around us is is a fulfillment of what the prophet Zechariah spoke about. He says the nations will come up against Jerusalem. And the prophet Joel talks about the nations dividing the land. So we have a collision, a conflict, really, between two worldviews. So we have a collision, a conflict, actually, between two worldviews. One is the biblical worldview of what God is doing. The other is the biblical worldview of what God is doing. And the other is the worldview of the nations who are 
do not understand what God is doing and are opposed to it. Och den andra världsskulds om nationer som inte tror på vad Gud gör och som är er emot den. And I want to explain a little bit to you in this session and the next session how this all works. Och jag vill gärna förklara till er i denna och nästa session hur detta virker. And a lot of it's got to do with international law. Och mycket av det har att göra med folkrätten. So we hear a lot, don't we, in the media how Israel is breaching, it's infringing international law. Och vi hör mycket i nyheterna om hur Israel förbryter sig mot mot folkrätten. Israeli settlements are illegal. Uh, israeliska bosättningar är er illegala. So it's Jews are not allowed to live in Judea and Samaria or so, the old city of Jerusalem. Och judar är inte har inte lov att bo i Judea och Samaria och den gamla byn i Jerusalem. There must be a Palestinian state under international law. Det måste vara en palestinsk stat under folkrätten. Israel has no territorial sovereignty over Judea and Samaria. Ja, Israel har inte någon territoriell suveränitet över Judea och Samaria. And when Israel responds to attacks like those of Hamas, så när Israel gensvarar på angrepp som Hamas utförde, very quickly the nations are quick to criticize and condemn Israel. Väldigt rast kommer nationer att kritisera och fördömer vad Israel gör. For using too much force, too much. Att de brukar för mycket kraft, för mycket makt. So let's unpack all of this. Så låt oss öppna upp den packa. We closed the last session by looking at what happened in the Six-Day War. Vi avslutade förra sessionen med vad som skedde i sexdagarskrigen. I think it was a miracle in those six days that God gave the land to the Jewish people. Jag tror det var ett mirakel i de sex dagar att Gud gav landet till det judiska folk. Samaria and Judea and the old city of Jerusalem were restored to Israel. Samaria och Judea och den gamla byn i Jerusalem blev genupprättad till Israel. Uh, and they even had the Sinai Peninsula from Egypt. Och de fick till och med Sinai-halöja från Egypt. But the big question was both within Israel and in the nations. Men det stora spörsmålet både i Israel och i nationerna. Is Israel allowed to keep this land? Får Israel lov till att behålla detta land? Does Jerusalem belong to the state of Israel? Tillhör Jerusalem staten Israel? Is Judea and Samaria part of the state of Israel? Är Judea och Samaria en del av staten Israel? The Gaza Strip does it now belong to Israel? Gaza Stripen tillhör inte nu Israel. These were the questions that occupied the people of Israel. Detta är frågor som upptar folket i Israel. And over the next years from 1967, various kinds of views emerged. And we might call them legal or political models. And I want you to understand that there is no one single way to look at this. When people say that international law is so clear on these issues. We're going to see that actually the law does not have a lot to say on it. Uh, I think it might help to just describe three kinds of models that uh, that have been developed. The first we might call Israel's model and that is Israel's position. Israel says 
We have rights in Judea and Samaria. Israel sier at vi har rettigheter i Judea og Samaria. Israel says Jerusalem now belongs to the state of Israel. Israel sier at Jerusalem tilhører nå staten Israel. And Israel says we have a right to negotiate with our enemies. Og Israel sier at vi har retten til å forhandle med våre fiender. It's called the land for peace model. Det kalles land for fred modellen. Now there are some in Israel who take a view Det er noen Israel som inntar den, det syn that Israel only has a right to negotiate. at Israel har bare retten til å forhandle. There some in Israel det er so, noen i Israel who says Israel has full rights in Judea and Samaria. at uh, Israel har fulle rettigheter over Judea og Samaria. I'll come back to this issue. Jeg kommer tilbake til denne saken. Because Israel is very divided within itself. Fordi Israel er veldig oppsplittet i denne sak, disse sakene. The second model is the two-state model. Den andre modellen er tostatsmodellen. And these are the people who say Israel has no rights in Judea and Samaria. Og dette er folkene som sier at Israel har ingen rettigheter i Judea og Samaria. Thank you. <laughs> and they say that Israel is an occupying power. Og de sier at Israel er en okkuperende makt. And it must give over these territories to the Palestinians. And a Palestinian state must be created. That's the two-state model. And then you have the people who say, there should only be one state. And the Jewish state is an illegitimate state. Because it's a colonial, uh, it's a colonial entity. Fordi det er en kolonialistisk enhet. It's an apartheid state. Det er, it divides between Jews and non-Jews. Det er en apartheid stat, en skille mellom jøder og ikke jøder. It's actually a racist state. Det er egentlig en rasistisk stat. So we actually need one state for all the people of Palestine. Så vi trenger egentlig en stat for alle mennesker i Palestina. And all the Palestinian refugees must come back to this state. Og alle palestinske flyktinger må komme tilbake til denne staten. And the Jews can live there, but they'll be part of a big Arab state. Og jødene, de kan bo der, men de vil være en del av en stor arabiske stat. That's the view of the Arab world. Det er synet i den arabiske verden. It's actually the view of the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Det er også synet for den palestinske frigjøringsorganisasjonen, PLO. And even within the Jewish community, there are people who believe in this. Og til og med blant jøder, så er det folk som tror på dette. They don't like the idea of a Jewish state. De liker ikke tanken om et jødisk land. My point here is that these models, these ideas, mitt poeng her er at disse modeller, disse ideer, are driven very much by philosophy or the way that you look at the Jewish people. Det er drevet veldig mye av en filosofi eller de tanker du har om det jødiske folk. And then law is used to kind of support the argument. Og så blir loven benyttet til å på en måte understøtte de ideer. And I'm going to explore those three models with you in a moment. Og jeg skal se nøyere på disse tre modellene med dere om et øyeblikk. But let's just first think about what is international law. Men la oss først tenke på hva er folkeretten. I think this is important because when people tell us that Israel is doing illegal things, I don't believe that's true. The law is not something that is black and white. International law is not like the law that you have here in Norway. Folkeretten er ikke som den lovgivningen dere har her i Norge. 
In Norway, you have a legal system, you have a government, you have a parliament. I Norge har du et juridisk system, du har en regering, du har et parlament. And you have courts of law. Og du har eh, domstoler. And as a citizen, you can go to the court to enforce your rights. Og som en borger så kan du gå til retten for å få... Eh, and the government has to comply with the law. The international legal system is very different. It's international law is the law of nations. It's developed over the last centuries. And it's basically the language that nations use to describe what they want to do together. Og egentlig er det det språket som beskriver hva, hva nasjonene vil gjøre sammen. And of course it's always changing. Og selvfølgelig så er det alltid i endring. Uh, there are three actual sources of international law. Det er egentlig tre ulike kilder til internasjonal lov eller folkerett. treaties between det er, countries. Det er, det er traktater mellom nasjoner. There is the international practice of countries. Det er internasjonal praksis and then thirdly there are some very fundamental principles of law I'll give an example that slavery is uh, is illegal nobody would disagree because it's become such an important principle in the international system but there's very few of these very basic rules I want to just explain a few of the elements now of, of international law. Because actually I think part of what is happening is a, uh, a conflict or a debate about really what kind of legal system we want as an international community. There's a very strong view out in the world that the international institutions the like the united nations the european union EU, can kind of make up the law as they go along we want an international world of peace and security vi vil ha en internasjonal verden av fred og sikkerhet so we as the international institutions will decide how to get there. So vi som internasjonale institusjoner vil bestemme hvordan vi skal komme dit. So if we think so that a two-state solution is the only solution for peace, er den for fred, then we will create the rules to make that happen. Så vil vi skape lover som får det til å skje. This is very much the mentality in Brussels and in New York and Geneva. There are others who say, no, this is not law. This is just a global system. Law is actually something very different. Law are really the concrete, positive rules that nations decide on. So you have positive law and you have natural law. So you have positive law and you have natural law. It sounds a little abstract, but I'll give you an example. It sounds a little abstract, but let me give you an example. 
There's a big discussion in the international criminal court. Det er stor uh, diskussion i internationale straffedomstolen. In The Hague. I Hague. About whether the state of Palestine exists. Og om hvorvidt staten Palestina eksisterer. There are many people who believe the state of Palestine actually exists. Det er mange mennesker som tror at den palestinske stat faktisk eksisterer. Mahmoud Abbas is the president of the state of Palestine. Mahmoud Abbas er presidenten for staten Palestina. And that's the way he presents himself. Og det er sånn han presenterer seg selv. And many states other countries in the world or mange stater og land i verden believe that this state has now been uh, established mener og tror at denne staten er blitt etablert and in the international criminal court the court is having to make a decision uh, men i straffedomstolen så må straffedomstolen lage en beslutning whether to prosecute israeli leaders for war crimes om man skal sikte og og sikte israelske ledere for krigsforbrytelser crimes committed on the territory of the state of Palestine straffbare handlinger som er gjort på territoriet til staten Palestina and one of the crimes is the crime of settlements og den ene straffbare handlingen er å opprette bosettinger Jewish people Jewish communities living in Jerusalem or Jø- Judea and Samaria jødiske uh, samfunn som bor i uh, Jerusalem, Judea og Samaria are considered illegal. De regnes som illegale. This is a crime under the Rome statute. Dette er en en, en det er kriminelt ifølge Romastatuten. The crime is that Israel has moved its people into this occupied territory. Straffbare handlingen er at Israel har flyttet folk inn i disse okkuperte territorier. And the prosecutor wants to bring Israeli leaders to justice. Og aktor, han vil bringe de israelske ledere til rettferd. But they can only do that if the state of Palestine exists. Men de kan bare gjøre det hvis staten Palestina faktisk eksisterer. So you had all these lawyers and all these states making arguments to the court about why the state of Palestine exists. Så so du har masse advokater og masse stater som bringer fram masse argumenter for hvorfor staten Palestina eksisterer. And many of them said, well, it doesn't really exist, but we'll pretend it exists. Men det er mange også som sier at den eksisterer egentlig ikke, men vi skal late som den eksisterer. Because we think it should exist. Pardon? Because we think it should exist. Ja, fordi vi mener at den burde eksistere. Right, so they reason towards the goal that they want to achieve. Så dette er grunnen til de målsettinger som de ønsker å oppnå. And they come up with all kinds of arguments. Og de stiller opp en masse argumenter. They say Israel is preventing a Palestinian state. Og de sier at Israel forhindrer en palestinsk stat. So we should step in and, and make sure this Palestinian state exists. Men vi bør stige inn og forvisses oss om at denne palestinske staten eksisterer. And two of the judges of the court thought this was a good kind of way of looking at things. Och två av domarna i rätten, de tänkte att det är en bra måte att tänka på. But one of the judges, a very important one is a Hungarian judge. En av domarna som är väldigt viktig är en ungarsk domare. His name is Peter Kovács. Han heter Kovács. And he said this is not the way to look at law. Han sa detta är inte måten att se på lagstiftningen på. Law consists of some very basic positive rules. Loven den består av en del grundläggande positiva regler. And we can't just make it up. Och vi kan inte bara skapa dem. You can't 
the means does not justify the end. Middelen helliger inte. Målet helliger inte middel. And the fact of the matter is there is no Palestinian state yet. Och faktum är att det är ännu ingen palestinsk stat. We have a set of negotiations, we have Oslo agreements. Vi har en rekke förhandlingar, vi har Osloavtalene. And the Palestinians would like to have a state. Och palestinerna vill gärna ha en stat. Some people think they should have a state. En del människor tänker att de borde få en stat. But as a matter of law it does not yet. Men i henhold till lagstiftningen så är det ännu inte det. Because it doesn't satisfy the rules about what states are. Fordi den uppfyller inte reglerna för vad en stat är. And the same kind of issue really relates to settlements. Och detta samma drejer sig också om frågor om bosättningar. I think the reason uh, that people are against settlements is not a legal issue. Jag tror att grunden att folk är emot bosättningar är inte juridisk. They simply don't want Jews to live there. De vill rätt och slett bara att judar ska leva där. And this is driven very much by the Arab Islamic world. Och detta drivs väldigt mycket fram av den arabisk islamiska världen. And the reason that Europe, the West, has agreed with this. Och grunden till att Europa och väst har varit eniga om det med dem i detta. Is because they have political and economic interests. Är för att de har politiska och ekonomiska intressen. I'm going to talk more about that. Jag ska snakka mer om det. A second principle of international law is about temporal law. Uh, about temporal yeah. law. En uh, annan princip i internationell lovgivning är midlertidig lov. So the principle is that when when you have a legal decision to make. Princip är att när du har en juridisk beslutning som att tas. You apply the law as it exists at that moment. Så använder du lagen slik det existerar i det ögonblicket. Not the law as it as it might have developed later. Ikke som en lov som kanske sliten kanske blir i framtiden. So one of the really important questions. Så ett av de virkelig viktiga spurstmål. Is what are the boundaries of the state of Israel? Vad är gränsen för staten Israel? What are the borders of the state of Israel? Vad är gränsen för staten Israel? And that decision, you have to decide. At the time that Israel was created in 1948. And what's happening now? People are changing their legal system to fit their reality. That's the principle about temporal law. Then there's another one. About the sovereign equality of states. Och så är det principen om den suveräna likheten mellan stater. Likevärd. It is states that have sovereignty. Det är stater som har suveränitet. Under international law. Under folkrätten. Not the international institutions. Icke de internationella organisationer. The European Union does not have the power. Den europeiska unionen har inte makt to decide about issues of international law. Har inte makt till att ta beslutning om folkrätten. It states themselves. Det är statens själ som har gjort det. So uh, there's there's a lot of discussion around Jerusalem. Det är massa diskussion om Jerusalem. Right. And and some states are saying we think it's time to recognize that Jerusalem is the capital of the state of Israel. Vi menar det är tid för att anerkänna att Jerusalem är huvudstaden till Israel. 
An example is the, the Czech Republic. For example, med den Czechiske republik. And the Czech Republic thinks we are a sovereign state. We have the right to decide where we believe the borders of the state of Israel are. Den tjekkiske republik sier vi er en suveren stat, så vi mener vi har retten til å beslutte hva grensene for den suverene staten Israel er. And it's not the task of the United Nations to tell us what to do. Og det er ikke FN som skal fortelle oss hva vi skal gjøre. So that's a very different way of looking at the legal system. Det er en veldig annerledes måte å se på det juridiske system på. And I think we're having a battle or a fight. Men jeg tror at de har en kamp eller en strid between the globalists, those who want a global system of law, mellom globalistene, de som vil ha et globalt system av forloven, and people who believe in the freedom and the sovereignty of individual states, og folk som tror på friheten og suvereniteten til individuelle stater. Amen. So the country of Norway, så nasjonen Norge, is a sovereign state, er en suveren nasjon. You don't have to do what the UN tells you the Dere whole time. Gjøre hva FN sier. And when you vote in the United Nations, FN, you must do it as a sovereign state, believing in your view about the situation. And many countries, they hide behind the UN. Mange so they say UN resolutions tell us that settlements are illegal. This leads to my next point. UN resolutions do not make law. The United Nations is a political institution, not a legal institution. And they make decisions in the General Assembly and the Security Council. And almost all of these decisions or resolutions are non-binding. There's not one resolution in relation to Israel that is a binding resolution. There, there are some resolutions for the Security Council under Chapter 7 of the Charter. They are binding on all nations. But there are very few of those, and none of them in relation to Israel. So when the Security Council makes a statement so now it's secret so the of your night clarity which you did in 2016 saying that Israeli settlements are illegal under international law some see it out he says cable setting a illegal penalty international law that is an opinion so are they at scenes punct it's a political opinion that a politic scenes punct it is not a binding it is not determinative statement of law that it can be in the now hell it can be stemming the folk in it so you should encourage your government to make a sovereign decisions on all these issues. So that it would uppmuntra deras regering till att ta suveräna beslutningar i förhåll till Israel. We come to the international courts. Når det gäller de internationella domstolar. In The Hague we have the International Court of Justice. I Haag så har vi den internationella domstolen. We have the International Criminal Court. Så har vi den internationella straffedomstolen. We also have many other kind of judicial institutions. We are also many other 
juridiska institutioner på en måte. The UN Human Rights Council. Så har vi det FN:s mänsklighetsråd. Is a kind of a court, not really a court, but it makes decisions. Det är något som ligger en rätt, men den tar ingen beslutningar. None of these institutions can make binding decisions. Ingen av dessa institutioner kan göra bindande beslutningar. And they all must act within the limits of their jurisdiction. Och de måste alla samman handla inför begränsningen av sin jurisdiktion. But they all these courts they love to make decisions that make themselves feel important. Men alla dessa domstolar de liker att göra beslutningar så får de att känna sig själva viktiga. And they all want to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Och de vill alla samman lösa den palestinsk-israeliska konflikten. So they make tend to make decisions which are political and not legal. Så de tenderer mot att ta beslutningar som är politiska och inte juridiska. We'll look at the, the International Court of Justice in a moment. Vi ska se på den internationella domstolen om ett ögonblick. Another principle is non-discrimination. Ett annat princip är icke-diskriminerande. So why is it that we decide that the Palestinians should have a state? Varför är det vi bestämmer att palestinerna bör ha en stat? When the Kurdish people do not have a state. When när det kurdiska folk inte har en stat. The Baloch people in Pakistan and uh, Iran do not have a state. Baluchi folk i Pakistan och Iran har ingen stat. There are many other people groups in the Middle East who would love to have a state. Det är många andra folkgrupper i Mellanöstern som ville älska få sin stat. But we don't give them that right. Men vi ger inte de rättigheter till dem. We choose the Palestinians for some reason and decide to put all our attention and money into their cause. Av en grund så väljer vi palestinere och bestämmer oss för att sätta all uppmärksamhet i domstolar och rättsstater för det. And the European Union is very good at discriminating. Och EU är väldigt flinke på att diskriminera. Think of the Western Sahara for example. Tänk för exempel på Västsahara. So according to the European Union the Western Sahara belongs to Morocco. Ifølge Europaunionen så tilhører Vestsahara Marokko. Well, it's clearly occupied territory occupied by Morocco. Mens det helt klart er okkupert territorium som Marokko okkuperer. So why does Europe consider that territory not to belong to the indigenous people? Hvorfor er det at Europa mener at det territorium ikke tilhører det innfødte befolkningen? But in relation to Palestine, the occupied territory must belong to the indigenous people. Men hva angår Palestina, så må palestinske områdene tilhøre det palestinske folk. And there are many other occupied territories in the world. Og det finnes mange andre okkuperte territorier i verden. But it's only in relation to Israel that these statements and resolutions are passed. Men det er bare hva angår Israel at disse resolusjoner og erklæringer blir avgitt. And that's a kind of discrimination against Israel and the Jewish people. And last, I just want to say a couple of things about legal academics. A lot of this discussion about the law is led by the legal world. They are the professors of law at Harvard University and Oxford. Harvard Oxford or at the Hebrew University or Tel Aviv University. And what they say is actually very important. It's a part of this whole legal structure. Det er en del av hele denne juridiske struktur. 
But most of them have a very globalist cosmopolitan agenda. Men de flesta av dem har väldigt globalistisk och kosmopolitisk agenda. They believe in the international institutions. De tror på de internationella institutioner. They believe that the international institutions are going to create peace and security on de earth. att de internationella institutioner ska skapa säkerhet och fred. And it's no longer about nation states. At det gäller inte längre nationstater. It's all about the human rights of the individual. Det gäller bara de mänskligheterna till individer. So they're very committed to the Palestinian cause because the Palestinians are the underdogs, they're the victims. Så de är väldigt övergivna till en palestinsk sak för palestinerna är är underdogs, de är de är offren. And Israel is perceived to be a powerful country which is oppressing the people. But there, I want to just point out there is a whole philosophy here which is driving this debate. And it's got to do with the way you look at nation states and the international system. That's enough talk. Det er nok prat. Let's go back to the history. Låt oss gå tillbaka till til historien. I think when we think about the land and the state and the people of Israel. Jag tror att när vi tänker på landet och staten till Israel. We have to go back to what happened after the First World War. Så må vi gå tillbaka till vad som skedde efter första världskriget. And I think Israel's position is correct. Jag tror att Israels ställningstagande är korrekt. That the legal foundations of the state of Israel, att det juridiska fundament för staten Israel, including its borders and its boundaries, inklusive gränsen och deras eh, gränser, were established by the decisions made after the First World War. Blev etablerat genom beslutningar som betalt efter första världskriget. So you remember the allied powers they took control over the territories of the former Ottoman Empire. Du husker de allierade makten de tog kontroll över territorierna till det tidigare ottomanska riket. And they decided to create this system of mandates. Och de bestämde sig för att lägga ett system av mandater. And they met together in the town of San Remo in Italy on the Riviera. Och de möttes i Italia i lilla byn Sanremo på Riviera in April 1920 i april 1920 to make a decision about Palestine för att ta en beslutning om Palestina. And they decided och de bestämde that Palestine should become the place for the reestablishment of the Jewish homeland. Att Palestina bör bli stedet för en reetablering av judens hemland. They had the right to make that decision. De måste skriva för att kunna ta de hade rätten till att göra den beslutningen. Because they were the sovereign states who won the first world war. För de var suveräna stater som vant den första världskriget. So the decision they made from a legal perspective is very important. Så beslutningen de tog ut från ett juridiskt synspunkt är väldigt viktig. That decision they made then became implemented in the mandate for Palestine. Och den de beslutningen de tog blev därefter implementerat i mandatet för Palestina. And this was all under the covenant of the League of Nations. Och detta är allt baserat på pakten som folkeförbundet hade. And the key uh, here is article 22 of the covenant. Och här är nyckeln artikel 22 i pakten. I'll, I'll read it for you. Jag ska läsa det för dig. Certain communities formerly belonging to the Turkish Empire, vissa samfund som tillhörde det tyrkiska riket, 
have reached a stage of development where their existence as independent nations can be provisionally recognized until such time as they are able to stand alone. The wishes of these communities must be a principal consideration in the selection of the mandatory. What the Palestinians and the Arabs say today, they say we were the people of Palestine. Vi var folket i Palestina. And the and the League of Nations had no right to give Palestine to the Jewish people. Folkeforbundet hade ingen juridisk rätt att ge Palestina till det judiska folk. So this this is the very foundation of the Palestinian Arab uh, claim. Detta är alltså själva essensen av vad palestinerna och arabiska nationer säger. However the mandate for Palestine was, was created and recognized the right of the Jewish people to re-establish their homeland. It was intended to result in a state. Some kind of state which would be a Jewish homeland. But where all the people of Palestine could live. Men hvor alle mennesker i Palestina kunne leve. And the mandate created legal rights and obligations. Og mandatet skapte juridiske rettigheter og forpliktelser. Concerning Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. Som gjaldt Jerusalem, Judea og Samaria. Article 6 of the mandate allowed the Jews to settle in the West Bank. Uh, which one? Article 6. Ja. Artikel 6 i mandatet gav jødene retten til å bo i hjemlandet. It was not called the West Bank, of course. It was part of Palestine. Det var en del av and we can see here that the Jews had a right of close settlement on the land. The whole purpose of the mandate for Palestine was to enable the Jews to come home from all over the world. And to live in the land. To establish communities. To build up the land. And develop a flourishing state. That's exactly what the Jewish people started to do. So by 1948, when the state of Israel was created, the question arose: what were the borders of the state of Israel? Okay. The Declaration of Independence does not describe the borders of the state of Israel. It talks about the establishment of a Jewish state in Eretz Israel. So they, the Jewish people deliberately left open the question what the borders and boundaries would be. Uh, 
Um, there was not much discussion at the time because there was a conflict. Det var inte diskussion på den tiden för det var en konflikt. So it's really only now, 70 years later. Så det är egentligen nu 70 år senare. That we have to start to understand what the borders actually were at that time. Att vi måste börja och förstå vad gränsen var på den tiden. And there's one principle that applies in international law. Och det är ett princip som man kan använda i det intra i folkretten. It's not the only principle, but it's a very important one. Det är inte det enda principen, men det är ett svårt viktighet. That determines how the borders of states are created. Som avgör hur nationstaters gränser blir skapt. Okay, it's called. It has a Latin word. It's called uti possidatis juris. Det är ett latinsk ord som är uti possidatis juris. Juris. Yeah. So if you think of most nations in the world, så om du tänker på de flesta nationer i världen, how were their borders created? Hur då blev deras gränser skapt? Either through war, enten genom krig, or through this principle, eller genom detta principen. And this principle applies when a colony becomes a state. Dessa principer användes när en koloni blir en stat, or a mandate becomes a state, eller när ett mandatområde blir en stat or a, a trustee becomes a state eller när en en ett legat blir en stat and most of the countries in the middle east and africa och de flesta land i mellanöstern afrika have borders today because of this rule har gränser idag på grund av denna regel so based on this principle the borders of the mandate for Palestine became the borders of the state of Israel så baserat på den regeln så blev gränsen för palestinske man eh, palestinske mandatet blev till Israels eh, gränser. We recall the borders of the mandate for Palestine. Vi minnes eh, gränsarna för det palestinske mandatet. And I'm just going to bring them up and see Ska vi bringa det fram igen och se. I can work out how to use your laptop. Uh, how do I get out of this? I just push the escape in the top left and then uh, harder. Okay. So let me just go back to an earlier slide. Let's go back to the earliest picture. Okay. Then the least picture right there. Right over. That one? Over the map. In the middle, the least picture. Least. Just over. I'm not with you. Okay. Terrible. <laughs> Oh, that one. All right. So this was the original mandate territory under the mandate for Palestine. So that was the original mandate territory, which was divided into two to create Jordan. So that skapte Jordan. So according to Israel and the Jewish people today, so ifølge Israel og de jødiske folk i dag. They would say Israel has a rightful claim to all the territory west of the Jordan River. Så vill de säga att Israel har en rättmässig krav på hela territoriet väst för Jordanälven. And maybe even the territory of Jordan. Och kanske till och med till och med Jordan som territorium. Because that was the purpose of the mandate. För det var ju hensikten till mandatet. So it's terribly important to realize that these decisions that were made uh, in the mandate determined the borders of the state of Israel. Så det är väldigt viktigt 
av de beslutningarna blir tatt i detta mandat det avgör gränsle för staten Israel. And the whole discussion about whether the Palestinians should have some kind of state or some kind of entity. Och hel diskussion om hurvitt palestinerna bör ha en eller annan typ av stat eller en eller annan typ av enhet has to start with the position that in the first place the Jewish state of Israel has the right to territorial sovereignty over that territory. Måste starte med att i utgångspunkten så har staten Israel rätten till detta suveräna område som är väst för Jordan. Let me go back to my where we were. And the next point to notice is that the decisions of the United Nations since 1948 are not binding in relation to uh, the state or the territory. Och det nästa vi må märka oss är att beslutningarna i FN är inte inte för staten eller för territoriet. And Jordan attacked Israel in May 1948. Så Jordan angrep Israel i maj 1948. It occupied Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. Så ockuperade det Jerusalem, Judea och Samaria. And that was illegal because Jordan's invasion was illegal. Och det det var illegalt för Jordans invasion var illegal. And in none of this period did the did the Palestinians claim their own sovereignty to the territory that Jordan occupied. Och överhode inte hävdet palestinerna att de hade rätt till det territorium som Jordan ockuperade. What they claimed was sovereignty over all of Palestine. Det de gjorde var att kräva suveränitet över hela Palestina. Because they considered the mandate to be illegal. För de ansåg mandatet för att vara illegalt. So we come now into a very confusing kind of area. Så då kommer vi in i ett väldigt förvirrande område. You've all heard of UN Security Council 242. This was in uh, November uh, of 1967. And basically that resolution says it's a it's a kind of land for peace resolution. Och grundläggande sett så var den resolutionen så land för fred resolution. It said Israel must withdraw from territories occupied in the war. Och det sa att Israel måste trekka sig undan från territorier som blev ockuperat under krigen. It says there's also a prohibition on acquisition of territory by force. Och det står också där om territorier som är tillägnat vid makt. But it also recognizes the right of Israel to secure and recognize boundaries. Men det anerkänner också Israels rätt till eh, till eh, anerkända gränser. And it talks about the refugee problem. Och den omtalar eh, flyktingeproblemet. But this is a typical UN resolution. Men det är en typisk FN-resolution, which is deliberately unclear. Som är eh, bevisst utydlig. And it was a compromise between lots of different views. Och det var ett kompromiss mellan mellan en massa olika synspunkter. So you can, we can't treat it as a binding statement of law. Så vi kan inte behandla det som ett bindande juridisk erklaring. Another confusing aspect is the Oslo Agreement. En annan förvirrande aspekt är Osloavtalet. In the 1990s, in på 1990-talet. Israel entered into agreements with the PLO. Så gick Israel in i avtalet med PLO. The PLO led by Yasser Arafat. PLO som är ledet av Yasser Arafat. Under pressure, under påtryck, from the Western world, från den västliga världen, 
and they were negotiated here in Oslo. Og så forhandlet de her i Oslo. And this is it's such a typical example of the West trying to impose its view on Israel. Det er et så typisk eksempel på at Vesten forsøker å pådytte sitt syn på Israel. And secret negotiations took place. Og hemmelige eh, forhandlinger fant sted. Not even the Prime Minister uh, Rabin knew about this. Ikke engang statsminister Rabin visste om dette. And he was presented with the text only a day or two before it was announced. Han blev förelagd texten bara en dag eller två före den blev gjort. There is a strong view within Israel itself. Det är ett starkt synspunkt inför själva Israel idag. That the only way to peace is to divide the land. Att den enaste vägen till fred är att dela upp landet. There's a kind of a conflict within Israel about this issue. Det är en slags konflikt i Israel om detta tema. Half the country on more the political left side, halva landet på den politiska vänstersidan, believes that the West Bank belongs to the Palestinians. De menar att västbredden tillhör palestinerna. And Israel should withdraw and just give it to the Palestinians. Och Israel bör dra sig tillbaka och bara ge det över till palestinerna. The other half in Israel, den andra halvdelen av Israel, believes that no, Israel has significant rights. Att nej, Israel har betydliga rättigheter. And it has a right to negotiate. Och har en rätt till att förhandla. From a position of strength. Utifrån en position av styrka. A position of sovereignty. En position av suveränitet. And those two views are in conflict with each other. Och dessa två synspunkter är i konflikt med varandra. And they resulted in the Oslo agreements. Det resulterade i Oslo-avtalen. Which again are a compromise text. They're deliberately ambiguous. Som igen är en kompromisset text som med vilja är tvetydig. The PLO promised to give up terror. PLO lovet att uppge terror. The PLO promised to recognize the legitimacy of the Jewish state. Och PLO lovet att anerkänna den judiska statens legitimitet. But it has never done so. Men den har aldrig gjort det. By amending the Palestinian Charter. Vi har ändrat palestinska lovet. The Oslo agreements created areas A, B, and C in Judea and Samaria. Oslo-avtalen skapte områder A, B og C i Judea og Samaria. And they created the Palestinian Authority. Og de skapte den palestinske myndighet. And they transferred some responsibilities and powers to the Palestinian Authority. Og de overførte en del ansvar og makt til den palestinske myndigheten. The Oslo agreements do not talk about Palestinian statehood. Oslo-avtalene taler ikke om palestinske stater. Israel never promised a state to the Palestinians. Israel aldrig lovet en stat till palestinerna. And they agreed to go into further negotiations. Och de var eniga om att gå in i vidare förhandlingar. On the very, pardon me, on the very difficult issues. Om de verkligen vanskliga spärrsmålen. The status of Jerusalem. Som om Jerusalem status. The status of Israeli settlements. Och status för israeliska bostäder. Refugees. Flyktinger, borders, gränser, all the very important issues, all the wichtige spärrsmålen, have never been agreed. They have not always been agreed on. So Israel takes the view, I think rightly. So I think that Israel, with right, takes the view. We have some agreements. We have a deal of talit. 
But the Palestinians do not have a right to a state. Men Palestina har ingen rätt till en stat. We have not agreed to give up Judea and Samaria. Vi har inte gått med på att uppge Judea och Samaria. We've never agreed to give up Jerusalem. Vi har aldrig blivit eniga om att uppge Jerusalem. And if the Palestinians want a state or some kind of autonomy, the only way is through negotiation. Så eneste måten er gjennom forhandlinger. So that's the Israeli view. Så det er det israelske syn. Then Europe comes into the picture. Og så kommer Europa inn i bildet. And of course Europe likes to think of itself as quite important on the world stage. Og Europa liker å tenke om seg selv som ganske viktig på verdensarenaen. We've, we recently wrote a book about this whole topic. It's called Two States for Two Peoples? Question mark. Vi skrev nylig en bok som heter To på engelsk som heter To Stater for Two Folk. And we researched this period the 1967 through to the 1990s. Og vi gransket denne perioden fra 1967 helt til 1990-tallet. But how did this idea of two states come into existence? Men hvordan kom denne tanken om to stater til And it's got a lot to do with Europe's quest for power on the world stage after the 60s. Og det har veldig mye å gjøre med Europas søkende til makt på verdensarenaen. It was mainly Germany, France, Great Britain. Det var stort sett Tyskland, Frankrike og Storbritannia. Who were trying to develop something that was opposed to what the United States was doing. Som forsøkte å utvikle noe som var i motsetning til hva USA gjorde. And they made a political decision. Og de inntok en politisk beslutning. To support the Palestinian cause. Til å støtte den palestinske saken. And it was really an agreement after the Yom Kippur War. Og det var egentlig en avtale etter Yom Kippur-krigen. In October 1973. I oktober 1973. That Europe entered into an agreement with the Arab world. At Europa inngikk en avtale med den arabiske verden. It's called the Euro-Arab Dialogue. Som heter den euro-arabiske dialogen. And this was a political agreement. Det var en politisk avtale that Europe would ally itself with the Arabs. At Europa ville alliere seg selv med araberne. And the main reason was to get access to oil in the Arab world. Og hovedgrunnen var å få tilgang til olje i den arabiske verden. Europe was highly dependent upon uh, on Arab oil and gas. Europa var høyst beroende av arabisk olje og gass. Uh, Europe wanted to be free of Palestinian terror. Europa ville slippe unna palestinsk terror. So basically Europe decided to open its borders to the Islamic world to come into Europe. Så grunnleggende sett så besluttet Europa å åpne dører for den islamske verden for å komme inn i Europa. And the Arab nations said if you allow us Arabs to come into Europe. Og grunnleggende sett sa araberne hvis dere lar oss komme inn i Europa. If you agree to support the Palestinians. Hvis dere er enige med oss i å støtte palestinerne. Then we will give you the oil that you need. Så skal vi gi dere den oljen dere trenger. It's a pretty much as simple as that. Så ganske enkelt, så enkelt er det. So that's Europe, but then within the United Nations we had this whole process of decolonization. Men innenfor FN så hadde man hele prosessen av avkolonialisering. So by 1973 there were many, many new UN member states. Så i 1973 var det mange, mange nye FN-medlemsstater. 
They were very hostile to the western world. Som var väldigt fientlig mot den västliga världen. Think of the new states from Africa, South America. Tänk på de nya staterna från Afrika, Sydamerika. They were allying themselves with the Soviet world. De allierade sig med den sovjetiska världen. And they came out with a resolution saying Zionism is racism. Och de utvecklade en resolution som sa att zionism är rasism. In 1975. I 1975. And this all influenced Europe I think at the time. Så detta påverkade Europa på den tiden tror jag. And uh, it's all described in, in our book. I don't have time to to go into it. Allt som beskrivs i vår bok som vi inte jag har inte tid att gå in på nu. But I think it all led up to Oslo. Men jag tror allt som är ledet fram till Europa. So by the time we get to Oslo. Så då vi kom fram till Oslo. The 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 Israelis were being all pressured to go in line with this whole view. Så blev israelerna pressade till att ställa sig på linje med detta syn. And Europe was saying more and more there will be no peace in the Middle East without justice for the Palestinians. Och Europa sa mer och mer det blir inte någon fred i Mellanöstern utan rättfärd för palestinerna. So it was very hard for Israel to find its position. Så det var väldigt vanskligt för Israel att finna sin position. And the result is the EU two-state model. Och så resultatet är EUs tvåstatsmodell. Um, you can be very thankful that Norway is not a member of the European Union. It gives you the freedom. Det kan vara väldigt glad för att Norge inte är medlem i EU. Då har du frihet. Yay! As a sovereign nation, <laughs> som en suverän nation, you're not bound by this policy. Så är det inte bundet av denna politiken. But countries like the Netherlands, men land som Nederland, Belgium, Belgia, all the other countries Denmark, of the EU, alla andra land i EU, are stuck with this policy. De, 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 er, de hänger fast i denna politik. And it basically says the 1967 lines, uh, uh, 1967-linjerna, is the border of the state of Israel. Det är gränsna till staten Israel. Israel is an occupying power. Israel är den ockuperande makt. It has no sovereignty in Judea and Samaria or East Jerusalem. Uh, or, can you say that once more? Israel has no sovereignty in Judea and Samaria. Israel har ingen suveränitet i Judea, Samaria och Jerusalem. A Palestinian state must be established. En palestinsk stat måste bli etablerad. And Israeli settlements are illegal. Och israeliska bosättningar är illegala. This is European policy. Det är europeisk politik. And they tell us that international law requires this. Och de säger att internationell lovgivning, folkrätten kräver det. They completely ignore the history of Israel before it was created. De ignorerar fullständigt Israels historia före detta. They ignore completely all the Arab invasions of uh, of this land. De ignorerar fullständigt alla de arabiska invasioner av detta land. And they've basically made up a policy and decided that it's legal. Och de har fundamentalt lagt politik så bestämt sig för att detta är legalt. Lovlig. The European Union spends 1 billion euros annually to promote Palestinian statehood. Uh, 1 billion? 1 billion. EU skaffar de varje en miljard. 1 billion? 1 billion. 1 miljard euro vart år för att understödja den palestinska staten. And that's just part of it. There's a lot more money going in there as well. Och det är bara en del av det. Det är massor mer pengar som går in där. And this is in breach of the Oslo Accords. Och detta är ett brott med Oslo-avtalen. 
The European Union wants to contain illegal Israeli settlements. Uh, EU will begrense the ulovlige and to reinforce Palestinian presence in areas A, B, and C. Og for å styrke Palestins nærvær i både område A, B og C. So this is a very, very big enterprise. Så dette er en veldig, veldig, veldig stor satsing. They also believe that the Gaza Strip belongs to the Palestinians. Gaza so a lot of European money has been going in to support Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and even the Palestinian Authority itself. So they go in and support Hamas, PLO, and the Palestinian Jihad. And to help the Palestinians build these towns and villages uh, to. Um, to replace the Jewish settlements og in Judea and Samaria. So there's a lot I can tell you about why this whole policy has failed. But I think I'm going to wrap up at this point. Okay. Amen. I think this is really important, just my final words, that this is all part of the context for this recent attack by Hamas. Dette er en del av sammenhengen med det nylige angrepet fra Hamas. Europe has closed its eyes to Islamic, Islamist extremism. Europa har lukket sine øyne for islamsk ekstremisme og terrorisme. By creating this whole idea ved å skape hele denne forestillingen of Palestinian statehood palestinsk statsdannelse and flooding it with money og kaste og flammet over med med penger. It is encouraged the Palestinians to take an extreme extreme position. Til å inn inta dette den ekstreme stillingtagen. And I think we're going to see now more pressure from the European countries. Og jeg tror vi skal nå få se mer påtrykk fra europeiske land. Pressure on Israel. Press på Israel. To get out of Gaza. For å komme seg ut av Gaza. To get out of the West Bank. For å komme ut av Vestbredden. Because it has no business there. Fordi de har intet å gjøre der. So I think we're in a very difficult political environment. Så jeg tror vi er i en veldig vanskelig politisk miljø. Thank you for listening. Takk for at dere lytter. Amen. Amen.